Okay, welcome back. It's been like five months since I did this podcast. And honestly, um, okay, so let me explain. I'm not going to say I took an intentional break. I just like stopped doing the podcast because I had a lot of ideas um, and I didn't really know how to execute them. So every time um, I started to sit down and like do the podcast, I felt really like planned out. I don't know if that makes sense, but personally, I like to be inspired to take action or inspired to do something to put out there, you know, in the world, on the internet. But it just seemed like every time I sat down to do this podcast, um, I was just, I felt like I was forcing it. So I'm very, very happy to say that Cubicle Chronicles is back. And I'm also happy to say that Cubicle Chronicles will be turning into something else very soon. Yes, that's right. Hold tight. And I'm laughing because um, the way that I work and I just like, you know, create things and I just like follow my inspiration. So I may seem all over the place, but I am turning this podcast actually most likely into a, um, I guess you can say, audiobook slash podcast series. So this episode is going to be um, a regular episode, but the next time you hear from me, it's probably going to be like, um, think of like um, a scripted podcast almost. So if you want to hear that, if you want to hear what I can like literally make up and read about, um, kind of true, kind of not true, um, as far as the story goes, um, tune in, subscribe to this podcast, um, and follow me on Instagram, um, and I also have a YouTube channel now. So here's my story. Um, basically, in this episode, I'm going to be telling you the story of my career, and then that'll give you some insight, I guess, on why I arrived at Cubicle Chronicles, why I arrived at um, my business being bored, and why I arrived at my current YouTube channel. So stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy it. Be very patient with me, but I promise to make it entertaining. So uh, hold on for this next episode. (laughs) Okay, well, let's get into this um, episode. Uh, So, I realized that I never told my story. I don't think I have. But, so, this is like a little test episode to see if my idea is going to play out. But, honestly, I'm probably going to do it anyway, regardless of how it plays out. Um, So, I realized that I started this podcast, I think it was like May, maybe April, May of 2018. And I started it because... Um, you know, I feel like there are a lot of people like me who have a lot of different things that they're passionate about and they still probably have their, you know, full-time job, whether it's in corporate, whether it's in whatever industry. I think that there are a lot of people in my age group who are just multi-passionate. They, I think gone are the days where we just focus in on one thing, focus on like going to school and mastering like one thing. So I started this podcast to share some of the things that I have experienced as far as like, okay, trying to figure out 
what I actually like to do outside of work and then creating, you know, more passion, infusing more passion and energy into that. Um, I started a blog, then from the blog came like my business, um, my consulting business, like, um, and then from that, you know, I started the podcast and then now I have a YouTube channel. Basically, I'm just doing everything that I've always wanted to do, um, creatively. And I started the podcast to center around like, you know, you still work in like a cubicle or, you know, an office. Um, so here's my experience. I have two, I've had two guests on the show who, you know, are running businesses and still in their creative bag too. So check out also, if this is your first time listening to this episode or I mean, listening to this show, go back and listen to some of my old episodes because you'll get the gist of the show. But Getting into the story, I realized that I never told my Cubicle Chronicles story. So, this is my story. This is basically what I have done <laughs> in order to get to this point as far as career-wise. So, growing up, I always was interested in like reading, writing, creating, media. I was always reading a book, reading a magazine, watching a movie. I was always like into computers. Once computers came out, I was like on the internet looking up, like researching things. I was on AOL chat. I was always really, really, really into technology, really into the arts and creating stuff like that. So, you know, when you grow up, you're that, you have that child essence. You're like wide eyed. You want to, you know, you grow up, And you're like, well, when you're little, you're like, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to, you know, be an astronaut. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a film maker. So, but my point is you kind of get conditioned out of that. Honestly, Um, you just, I guess your logical mind kicks in, whether it's your parents, the people you're around, your friends, you just kind of. You settle into the straight and narrow of like, okay, I'm going to go to school, I guess, and be a pediatrician, or I guess I'm going to be, you know, a CEO or of like, I'm going to get on the track to make the CEO at this corporate job. The point I'm trying to make is when we're little, we probably have a huger and wider imagination um, um, and a wider range of what we want to be versus when we actually kind of get in the groove of high school, college, after college, I guess you can say you kind of get a little more realistic and I'm doing air quotes, air quotes on realistic because this has happened to us all. And maybe you may be at a point and also cubicle chronicles was born out of a point of me just not being 100% satisfied with doing one thing. So I'm basically about to chronicle my cubicle um stories um on what I've done in my career so far (laughs) and it's a lot and I don't want to make this super super long so maybe I'll make it a part two if it starts to get really long but bear with me here let me summarize it I started cubicle chronicles because I just wanted to express my creativity and I wanted to chronicle you know, myself being a a part-time entrepreneur slash, you know, full-time corporate um, writer um, on my journey to like, you know, be a little more creative and do more of what I like to do. But this is my, I guess, okay, let's call it, let's just call it Courtney's Cubicle Chronicles. This is my personal, (laughs) 
This is my personal lineup of all the damn jobs and all the careers and all the basically lives I have lived. So I want whoever listens to this, if you've had, you know, the craziest or like, you know, the most squiggliest career path, reach out to me and let me know whether it's my Instagram, um, whether it's DM, text me, whatever. I'm about to read it and this is funny. And this also goes in line also with my YouTube channel. So I guess I'll convert this into a video, maybe. Or maybe it's just gonna be a podcast um exclusive. All right. So I went to Florida and A and M University. Shout out to uh the best HBCU in the United States. So this is the point I'm trying to make is I graduated it was basically almost ancient times ago, honestly. I graduated in 2010, and my first job after college, my first Cubicle Chronicle was... <laughs> my first job after college, I guess you can call it, I was like an advertising coordinator. Um, uh, It was at downtown Tallahassee at this association called the Florida Press Association. So I'm reading this from my journal. Um, If you follow my YouTube channel, you know that I read my journal. But if you don't, go to YouTube and type in Courtney's Diary and you'll figure out how this all makes sense. So my first job, my first Cubicle Chronicle, it was awkward. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, um, you know, the people I work with were down low, uh, you know, racist, if I could be totally honest. Um, But the coffee was good. Um, And I... (laughs) I honestly didn't even know if, like, the CEO of, like, our little department or the CEO of the corporation at the time existed. Like, he was on some real Wizard Kelly type um, stuff because everybody would always talk about him, but (laughs) I never saw his face. Like, we never saw him. And then even when we had meetings, like he would never come to the meeting. So I'm like, does this dude really exist? So the point is my first job out of college, 2010, this is okay. (laughs) This is like revealing everything, but this is the point I was trying to make. I'm just trying to tell my story so that in hopes people can relate and laugh and look back or whatever, share their story. So when you go to college, you go to college for four years and you know, student loans, that's like, a trillion dollar industry at this point. You think after college, especially in 2010, stuff was really kind of still kind of basic back then. There wasn't like social media where you can basically reach out to companies on there and create your own position. It was still pretty straight and narrow in 2010. So you were thinking after you go to college for four years, you're going to get this job at least paying, you know, 60, 50, 60, that's good for a 22-year-old coming out of college. But no, girls or and guys. My first job was a uh, drum, drum roll. Like, I wish you had a drum roll. My first job paid me $10 an hour. <laughs> and honestly, it's hella funny now. Because it was a lemon, straight up. I'm talking about... I graduated in May 2010. It took me around three months to find a job, period. Like, I was beating the pavement. My parents, my grandma, and my family had cut me off financially. They was like, girl, here go this money for graduation. Figure it out. I had moved 
I had stayed in Tallahassee to get an apartment and I, the only dang job I could find was $10 an hour. Now granted, this was 2010, cost of living was way low, so I made it work. So that was my first Cubicle Chronicle. <laughs> it was $10 a freaking hour. I had to humble my wig because I had a bachelor's degree. Here I am thinking that companies are going to be knocking my door down, like emailing emailing me like, please come work, come work. But no, that didn't happen. So I settled for my little $10 an hour job. And needless to say, on to my second Cubicle Chronicle. Um, within the next eight, nine months, I started to hate it naturally because you get paid ten dollars an hour. I didn't have no damn and this is hindsight is twenty twenty. This shows growth. Like this shows, you know, your evolution when you are kinda on a career track. So I was getting paid ten dollars an hour and I didn't have no benefits, y'all. And I didn't have no health insurance. I didn't have no four oh one K. Hell I I didn't have nothing but the damn check. And I I didn't the only thing that was cool about the job was I only worked Monday through Thursday. I didn't even work on Fridays. So it was a good intro to corporate life. I was basically, I was basically a paid intern, honestly. So on to my second cubicle chronicle. Um, nine months into that job, I started to hate it. Um, there was, I still remember some people from that job and there was one girl, I actually liked her. Shout out to Mona if you're listening to this. I actually, you know, thought she was cool. But everybody else, I wasn't crazy about. Um, But my second job was at a very small social media marketing firm. And I really, (laughs) I'm just going to talk. I don't care because this is funny. I don't want it to go too long, but I also don't want to shorten my story. My second job was at a very, very small, at this point, um, this was 2011. So think of how the world was when I say world I'm talking about the internet think of how the internet was back in 2011 it's nothing like it is now so I got my second job out of college fresh out of college at a social media marketing firm now social media had not took off yet like it was absolutely like it was like pulling teeth trying to get businesses back then to understand the power and importance of social media. So <laughs> let me tell you something else very humbling and embarrassing. I guess you could say at the time it was embarrassing. Um, I took a pay cut. Dead air. Yes, I took a pay cut from $10 an hour. I was getting paid $10 an hour at my first job out of college. So I took a 50 cent pay cut to get paid $9.50 an hour to run social media campaigns for businesses in Tallahassee. What the hell was I thinking? I mean, at the time I was just, you know, I, I was wet behind the ears. I was trying to get my life, I guess you could say in order or whatever order that is, you know, that gap in between you graduate and like, I guess you can say the real world, like where you just feel like you're just trying to catch up. You just feel like everyone else already knows the secret, the keys, and you're trying to get the keys too. That's where I was. So I took a pay cut to get paid $9.50 an hour. Here's This is where it gets even better, y'all. I worked at a social media marketing firm. I sat in the office and had to use my own computer. 
I had no benefits. Social media had absolutely not popped yet. So the clients did not see the value. They were calling in, wanting to cancel every week. We had to go and meet with them and, you know, basically put our ass on the line to let them know, hey, please keep us as your marketing firm because we need to get paid, basically. Some guy in Tallahassee, he had done a startup. And honestly, I'm not going to shake him because he was a visionary at the time. Like, people just didn't see his vision. So, not only did I take a 50-cent pay cut, but I had to take my own computer to work. And I didn't get any benefits. Once again, I wasn't getting nothing but a damn paycheck. But, hell, I made it work because 950 an hour in 2011, and I mean, I didn't have any real bills besides like rent and gas. I made it work. So, <laughs> another huge, huge bomb was okay. I started this job, I think it was like February 2011. By June 2011, I had got fired. <laughs> like, they fired me because I wasn't catching on. To the job. (laughs) And the irony now is like I literally have my own social media consultancy. Like, you know, I do social media for my clients now. And the irony is how social media started to pop. And I'm really damn good at it now. That's the irony. So, okay. Second job out of college. Took a pay cut. Paying $9.50. Six, eight months later, I get fire womp (laughs) okay now this is where a turning point is in my career after I got fired (laughs) after I got fired my I moved back to Pensacola if you don't know me well I'm sure you might not know me I'm from a very you know I guess you could say small town in Florida called Pensacola Florida um at this time, I had been living in Tallahassee for a year, two years after, well, a year after I had graduated. So, I started to hate Tallahassee because if you don't go to college, Tallahassee can kind of be a little, it's like a time capsule. It's like, you you know, you kind of stay a little stuck. So, I got fired. I was like, forget this. Clearly, these these first two jobs, these were literally my first two jobs post getting my degree first two jobs I was like okay they fizzled let me move back home and regroup so I got fired in June of 2011 from June of 2011 to October of 2011 I didn't have no job no job straight up no job <laughs> no job no money I mean I lived at home and okay I'm not gonna lie I had money because I lived at home and like you know my parents and people was giving me money. Um, but I didn't, this also shows the progression of when you just grow up and you, you switch your mindset because I ain't have no job, but I also didn't have the mindset to try and create value for people, you know, to try and start consulting or try and start, um, you know, like, doing my own thing. I didn't have that mindset. I was still in a straight up employee mindset. Um, like employee mindset to where, uh, I was just trying to look for a job. I got to find a job. I want to get, you know, this salary. I want to get these benefits. 
I'm just basically trying to also illustrate how important it is to kind of have a backup plan and rely on yourself, rely on your creativity, the value you can create for people. I feel like right now, even if I lose everything, I lose lose my job um, right now, I can make something work and I will make something work as far as what I've learned when it comes to running a business, when it comes to even consulting and pitching yourself and knowing your value. So rewind, I actually did have a job. I went back to working in the mall um, at Wet Seal. <laughs> if you know me, you know that I worked at Wet Seal every time I went home for the summer, every like Christmas and holiday break. I moved back to Pensacola after I graduated and I um, started to work at the mall again. So I did have an income. I just remember that. I had an income for those from, you know, those six months, but I was still trying to look for another job. And right here is where I'm actually going to take a break. You're going to hear from my lovely sponsor, which is also me. <laughs> um, At this point, I've had one job after I graduated from college. That didn't work out. I took a pay cut to get my second job after college. That didn't work out because I got fired. And at this point, I'm back in my hometown <clears throat> working at my um, job in the mall that, you know, I basically had throughout college. So October 2011 comes. I finally get a second job at a call center in Pensacola. Like, okay, this <laughs> this was so restrictive for me because if you've ever worked at a call center y'all you know how it is you gotta be on them damn phones if you're not on the phone you gotta be in ox mode you gotta take your break on time and girl you only or girls and boys you only get a 30 minute break you better not clock back in one minute late that's a what is it called They called it something whenever you get points. It's like a an occurrence. It's like a uh, an occurrence. If you got eight occurrences, you get fired. If you get four, you get coached. I'm talking about this job sucked the life out of me, straight up. But I worked this job and I worked my job in the mall for a year. I moved back to Pensacola in like July 2011 I got this job in October 2011. So from October 2011 to December 2012, I worked two jobs while living in Pensacola and devising my next master plan because I knew for sure there was one thing I knew for sure that I was not about to stay in Pensacola and work those two jobs for longer than a year. (laughs) So I uh, worked that job. And what I wrote here in my journal is, I said, I said, a call center, need I see, need I say more? I had no flexibility. I had a damn 30 minute lunch. That's the thing that irks me so, so, so much about working because I do not like when I'm told to go to lunch or when I'm told, honestly, to do anything outside of my, outside of like, you know, at work, when you're talking about work and like you go to meetings, yeah, but I do not like micromanaging or like when people literally tell you to go to lunch or when you know you get two 15 minute breaks I just knew that wasn't for me so I stayed there though for a year I'm surprised I lasted that long and in December 2012 I decided I had the bright idea (laughs) that I was gonna move to Jacksonville and go to grad school so I finally figured it out I thought I figured it out. 
um, I was like, okay, I'm about to go get my MBA um, in Jacksonville. This is about to be cool. You know, I get to Jacksonville, I find a job. I moved to Jacksonville without a job, but I was lucky enough to get one, like maybe not even a month later, I got one 30 days later. So my fourth job, at this point, this is my fourth job post-graduation, I got my job at the Winn-Dixie headquarters in Jacksonville. So this was like my first, I guess you could say real job because I was making the most money I had ever made so far after graduating, um, working at a corporate headquarters. Like, you know, this is my first real introduction to corporate life. And it was absolutely like, it was the absolutely worst. It was the absolute worst because my coworkers were so micro microaggressive. If you go back and you listen to my episode, Twerk Molly Twerk, you'll kind of hear about how I talked about microaggressions. But this was my very first intro to like, you know, a woman, a black woman. You're in an environment where it's mostly white co-workers they don't really understand black culture so you're getting microaggressed a hundred percent of the time and by microaggressions I mean like your hair is so different can I touch it or like you know talking about it's like every time I come around they want to talk about Jay-Z they want to talk about Beyonce they want to talk about rap music but it's like what if I like to listen to Coldplay you know what if I like you know Radiohead like why Why you always got to talk about things that pertain to black culture when I come around? So <laughs> my coworkers there, um, they just really introduced me to how other people think and act and, and conduct themselves in a corporate environment. Um, and I, I just also was dealing with like a boss who wasn't the greatest boss. Like he kind of would throw me under the bus. Like, if he didn't do his job, he would always make it look like since, like, I'm his... I was basically, I guess you could say his... I I wasn't his assistant, but I did support him in his job. So anytime he didn't do his job, he would turn around and make it seem like, oh, it's because Courtney didn't do this. So, needless to say, I started there in, like, January of 2012, and I left there in... No, I started there... I'm tripping. I started there in January of like 2013 and I left there in like October of 2013. So this is my, this is what I do. I don't think I do this anymore, but this is what I used to do throughout the progression of my career. I used to start a job and deep, deep down, I knew I hated the job. So every single time when I would accept a job or, you know, start working it, I would ignore my intuition and I would be like, oh, Courtney, you can do this. Like, you can suck it up. Number one rule in your career, don't suck it up. That's like my number one rule for everybody. If you go to an interview and it's like, okay, cool. I wouldn't mind working here. You know, you're kind of reluctant about it. Or if you go and you actually get the job and you know your body starts to feel different and you start to like not be yourself while you're at work, get get out like straight up find another job find something that's literally going to at least make you happy at the very least like because you owe it to yourself like I owe it to myself to not be in a shitty mood 
at work and you know that made my work suck because I didn't care about it and then you know my coworkers, I wasn't the best person to them because I was in such a shitty mood so often so that was me at this job 100% so I decided to go back to retail because I wasn't crazy about the corporate schedule like I wasn't crazy about the Monday through Friday work schedule like you know and where I lived in Jacksonville my job wasn't really that close to where I lived so I made a decision in my career to go back into retail and I applied to work at Nordstrom Nordstrom Rack if you've ever heard of Nordstrom Nordstrom Rack is the like the TJ Maxx of Nordstrom so I made um, a decision to go back to take a huge, huge pay cut. At this point, I would have been going back to just being, you know, a salesperson at Nordstrom Rack. I think it was like maybe $11 an hour. But honestly, okay, so at this point, I'm on number five. I'm on job number five post-graduation. I went back to Nordstrom Rack and, you know, went back to, I said, I basically said, screw corporate America. I'm going to go back to retail. Like I will have more flexibility. I'll be have, I'll be able to have time off and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about Nordstrom. I'm not going to say anything bad about Nordstrom because I met some amazing, amazing, amazing people there, y'all. Like I met some really cool people and I had a lot of fun. That time in my life, just period, was a lot of fun because it was the first time I ever felt fulfilled as far as my work. Like, it's like working in retail was tiring, of course. You know, it was long hours and it's weekends. But I knew, I just had a feeling that I had never had so far up into my career. At this point, I started to work at Nordstrom. That was like my fifth, um, you know, position out of college. And... I went to Nordstrom Rack in October 2013 and I was like, okay, I got in. And if you ever worked at Nordstrom, it's like a certain energy that the employees have. The customers are so loyal. Um, If you ever shopped at Nordstrom and if you've ever been an employee, the energy is real. So once I started to work at Nordstrom, I was like, Courtney, what if you work here and you kind of, you know, get an internship and you kind of go to corporate? So at this point in my career, I was working in Nordstrom Rack, and I was like, okay, I'll stay here. Um, every day was different. Um, retail, you know, was hard, but every day was so different, and I was so happy in my life. Like, this was, um, for the first time, I felt in alignment as far as, like, work-life balance, um, you know? Because I 100% feel like you should be happy you should just feel inside. I can't explain it if you felt it like you know. And I feel like this now. But also, you should not be a different person at work. You should not be a different person at work and than you are at home. And you should just feel that joy. Um, when the same joy that you would have at home, or if you were like doing something you love, that you go when you go to work, carry that same energy. This is the first time I felt a shift in like wow. I'm around great people, like, I'm meeting new people, like, I don't know, I just felt different working at Nordstrom the time that I worked there, coming from these first (laughs) four, honestly, you can say dating jobs, going into Nordstrom, 
I saw the first glimpse of really taking control of my career. So number five, I worked in Nordstrom, Nordstrom Rack. I worked there for a little bit and then, you know, I kind of climbed the ladder, you can say. But then at a certain point, I was like, okay, I want to go to Nordstrom and start working there. Um, there's a difference between Nordstrom Rack and Nordstrom. So um, I worked at Nordstrom Rack for, I think it was like a year. I worked there for, yeah, I worked there for an entire year. And then I got promoted to work at the Nordstrom store, like the Nordstrom fancy store. Um, so this was a different thing for me because when you start working at a Nordstrom store, you work off of commission 100%. Basically, you go in and you sell. Um and you make your you make money based off what you sell. So this is what I wrote down in my Nordstrom. This is what I wrote down in my journal. Number six, job number six at this point, Nordstrom. I was like, my checks are gonna be fat. If I sell ten thousand dollars a month, I'll be fine. Okay, but wait, that's the thing. I was in the sunglass department. Like I sold sunglasses for um it was like not even a year. So I was like, you'd be surprised. Commission-based sales is the definition of work harder, not smarter. That's the thing. So, okay, I worked in Nordstrom Rack for over a year, amazing time. Then I transitioned into working full-line, and I quickly started to not like my job again. (laughs) So, okay, after an amazing year, like, being on this career high and, like, okay, I have all these plans for myself. I'm going to get an internship go to Nordstrom Corporate, I just made a decision to go to Nordstrom Full Line, and I was back in, like, my dismal state of career. I was back in a dismal state because I just didn't really like selling to people. Like, I am such, such, such an introvert, and, I mean, I connect with people and I have a conversation, but I never mastered selling to them in like, you know, a way that was going to make me money. Like my, (laughs) one of my checks at Nordstrom was literally $200. Um, and the way it worked is if you didn't, okay, so if you make your commission, you're going to get paid a percent of your commission. But if you don't make your commission, because each month we have monthly goals, you get paid, I think it was like $9.25 an hour. So yeah, once I started to switch over to Nordstrom full line, I was like, okay, People, you'll be surprised at how people go and buy sunglasses. And honestly, my department had the highest commission percent at 10% or actually 9%, I think. So if I made $10,000 a month, I would get 9% of that. But if I didn't reach my goal, um, I would get like, I think $9 an hour, $10 an hour. But either way, the point is, I started to feel unsatisfied again. I started to get back in that that bitchy mood. Like, I started to complain. I started to, like, be like, my job sucks. My life sucks. My life didn't suck. But, like, you know, you can't... You can't accept one thing. You can't, um say that one thing sucks and it not bleed over into other areas of your life. So I started to get back on that damn hamster wheel. So at this point, this was an March 2015. From March 2015 to August 2015, I worked at Nordstrom um, selling sunglasses. This was at like a very pivotal time in my life where I was like, Okay, Courtney, I was, it was, I'm going to say it was at a very reflective time in my life. Let me say that. To recap, 
and I'm actually going to cut this episode here. So if you are so interested and want to hear the rest of my story, because I have one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> I have literally six more jobs to explain to y'all. But I'm going to cap this episode at, at this point in my life, I had one, two, three, four, five. I was in my sixth position post-graduation. So I'm hoping to make sense of Cubicle Chronicles and my YouTube channel. And I'm hoping to make sense of why I express my creativity the way that I do and the story that I'm trying to weave together. So at this point, I knew that it had to be me. Honestly. (laughs) So at this point, I know nobody never wants to take responsibility. Probably they want to blame it on the economy, blame it on their parents, blame it on their boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. But in 2015, this is when I really got a got a glimpse of like, okay, maybe it's me. <laughs> maybe I'm the one that's causing all this career confusion. And also at this point, I was starting to get some like personal life confusion. Like, um, I was just at a crossroads. I was like, Okay, I've been in Jacksonville. At this point, I had been in Jacksonville for a while, and I wanted to take my career to the next level because I was about to finish my MBA program within the next year. So I was like, Courtney, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay here, or are you going to make your next big leap? So 2015 is when I really started to kind of realize that, okay, maybe I'm the problem, but I don't really know how to start to figure out to not be the problem anymore and to kind of honestly get back to that feeling of when you're in alignment with your work and your life. So 2015 is when I decided to take the leap. After many, many options, I decided to move to Atlanta. If you know me, I moved to Atlanta in, it was September, it was August or what was it? It was October, 2015. Late September, October 2015, I took another leap. So at this point, I graduated, moved from Tallahassee back to Pensacola to Jacksonville. My last leap, my most recent leap was here to Atlanta, which brings me to present day. But I'm not finished with this story. So um, I want you guys to tune in to the next episode to hear the final positions to bring me to where I am present day sitting in my living room in Atlanta um, on this podcast and um, you know I created my YouTube channel I want y'all to listen (laughs) into the next episode so at this point I'm leaving it Um, I'm unhappy with my job at Nordstrom because it's starting to get unfulfilling again and I know I need to take another leap so what will I do Clearly, you know, I moved to Atlanta, but will I stay at Nordstrom? Will I find another job? I don't know. You got to tune in to the next episode to find out.